I am John, Wookiee impersonator and a Ladrin warlock with the Warriors of the Stars. Along came Jason, my bearded friend. Fabulous secret ideas revealed to me the day he came to my house and said, I want to make a podcast! Only two others share this secret. Eric of the Loch Ness and Jacob. Together we started talking about toys, comics, games, and movies on the Super Awesome Geek Show! Well, hello and welcome to another exciting episode of the Super Awesome Geek Show! I'm John, your host, and today I've got a whole group of great people with us. But first, I want to make an announcement of my own, something that happened to me this week. Well, uh, first off, if anyone was listening to Como Radio during the day or into the night and maybe even well into this Saturday and into this morning, (laughs) you may have heard our Wookiee Roar contest. And uh, myself and Chris Hulick from Alter Ego Collectibles in Bellevue in the Crossroads Mall, uh, we were both on the radio just talking about this Wookiee Roar contest that's going on. Um, You can call in and have the possibility of winning $50 just for leaving your best Wookiee impression on this phone number. Uh, It's a complete mystery as to who this guy is. Um, He just came to me in an email and said that he wants to do this for real. This is something that's happened, does a practical joke in the past, and I guess this year he wants to do it for real, uh, but wishes to remain anonymous. So we're we're honoring that anonymous request yeah and uh keeping him secret but the phone number you can call is 206-400-7856 leave a your best wookie roar and see if you can win that uh 50 did you guys hear the spot on the radio i did i tuned in but i didn't catch it while it was on i heard the uh file you sent me since i don't live there yeah that was the yeah i heard the file myself did you get the file, Rob? I don't know. I think I said it on your on phones or something. Oh, I'll double check. I've been really, really busy the last like two days. Yeah, Chris, did you you heard it right? Yeah, of course. Yeah, mm-hmm. let's just play it. Here we go. Como spot. Como four news. <laughs> not, not bad. That Wookiee comes from this guy. I'm John Adams. I have the super awesome geek show. I am John Wookiee impersonator and a Ladrin warlock with the Warriors of the Stars. Along came Jason, my bearded friend. Funny thing about Jason, he thought the show would be about tech geek stuff. No, this is about comics and games and that kind of geeking out. And how often does Star Wars come up in conversation? Lately, it's been a lot. I think it's been mentioned on almost every show. (laughs) Chris Hewlick of Alter Ego Collectibles in Bellevue is a regular guest. Inside our store, Star Wars is the number one subscribed comic. I mean, that right there blows away some major titles. There's definitely interest. Okay, okay. Star Wars is hot. But what about this Wookiee contest? It's for real. And it's being sponsored by a man who wants to remain nameless. We'll call him Han Solo. He actually just contacted me out of the blue in an email. Apparently what had happened was um, a few years ago, Han and a few others had seen this thing around town. And someone was doing it as actually a practical joke. And they just put his phone number around and he was getting calls. He said, I really want to do this as a real thing. I think it's a great idea. Live from the planet Kashyyyk, it's the Wooking Game. Time to meet the contestants tonight, and here they are. Wookie number one. 
even try. Think you can do better? Call 206-400-7856 and hit Han with your best shot. I'll give you the number again in a second. John, I like your Chewbacca. But how many have entered the contest so far? I think it was close to 100 now, but not all of them are Wookiee Roars. He said one of them asked him out on a date. Uh, I know, Chewie. The number to enter, once again, is 206-400-7856. And may the Force be with you. Brian Calvin, Como News. Of course. I can't do it right now. I can't get the gurgle part. Well, I was roaring a lot last night, too, because you guys will never guess what happened to me. Christina, you have oh. to opt out of this. <laughs> oh, yes, sir. <laughs> uh, so we went to Showware, and we were seeing the Thunderbirds last game before the playoffs, and they are in the playoffs. They are rated as one of the, I guess, the top team favored to win or something like that. But anyways, we were at their game, and uh, our friends, uh, my friend Robert, his girlfriend Sophie has always said, one of us in the group has to get like on the Jumbotron and all this stuff. And, you know, how are we going to do that? You know? So the last time we were at a game, she's like, John, you've got to bring the Wookiee robe. You've got to do it. You know? So I brought the Wookiee robe last night to the game and got in the aisle and started dancing. And they got me up on the Jumbotron and I had the vintage Wookiee doll from the seventies, <laughs> you know? And he was like kind of bopping around with me. And, uh, they ended up putting me on the ice on the Zamboni driving around with the guys while they were cleaning the ice, dancing at the top of the Samboni like Teen Wolf, you know? <laughs> nice. <laughs> and uh, they were like, you were really good getting the crowd going and everything because they played, like, the song, and I was dancing to the song, and, like, I was singing to the Wookiee doll, and I was pointing to the crowd and getting everybody riled up and everything, and they were all standing up and waving and singing and stuff. So, I mean, I was acting like a goofball, but they loved it. <laughs> and... I got to plug the Super Awesome Geek Show and stuff again, so it was pretty cool. And got a buttload of awards. They gave me all kinds of kitchen stuff. I got, like, cutting boards and meat thermometers and a pan set and all from this thing called Napoleon Pro Cooking or whatever. Nice. Yeah. So that you know, it really goes to show that personality does go a long way. Well, well, Wookiee Rope goes a long way, all right? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, uh, let's start with Christina today. What did you do this weekend? What's been going on? Anything cool? <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, I, I, should I start with you? Yeah, you no, that's a, you fine. You had a very bad week. I'm sorry. No, that's totally okay. That's why I laughed. I'm all, well, yeah, I, I was going to make up something fun. Um, yeah, it was a rough week, but, um, I don't have to go into detail and yeah. Um, but I, did watch some cool things. Um, as I've said before, I've been introduced to Babylon 5. So I started season two. That's it. Season two quality way better than one. Yeah, that, that's it, it just, picks up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, I talked to somebody who's been to Disneyland recently about uh, 
the Star Wars stuff there, and more and more is coming. They have a, a Darth Vader original costume for four thousand dollars. Wow! Whoa! Yeah, in case anybody's got some extra cash in their pocket, you know, um, you just buy it right in the store. It's um, if you've been to Disneyland before. There is in Tomorrowland, there is where Space Mountain is, and... Hyperspace Mountain. Yeah, it's Hyperspace Mountain and Star Tours. There's a big building back there that I think used to be the World of America or something like that. That whole inside of that is like a Star Wars museum almost. Wait, is that where they used to have all the presidents? Like the animatronics of the presidents? Yeah, yes. Oh, all, that's hilarious. It's all Star Wars now. Wow. And then they still have the stage. Like, I went um, I went in September. I went, and then when they bring up the stage, they still do the uh, Jedi Training Academy, and um, the Stormtroopers run out through the restaurant, and they still have all that there. Um, Star Tours is all decked out. So, yeah, I, ta- I just talked to somebody who went there, and they said they're seeing more and more and more of the Star Wars land stuff coming to fruition yeah mm-hmm. how's so the, that's, that's what i've heard how do you have any idea how the merchandise is in the store in the store itself because we hear about a lot of exclusives and things like that when we listen to uh from forlam to zuckus and uh, our friends over at jedi business and galaxy of toys you know they tell us all about all these exclusives do you know if they're readily available or are they just kind of scarce any idea um um, I went when they were, it was before the movie, yes, it was before the movie came out. I'm like trying to think of the dates. Um, I went before the movie came out and so they had, you know, all the Phasmas and stuff. It Before the movie came out, Phasma was super popular and you couldn't find anything Phasma. Um, I, so they did have some of their own exclusives at the time. I think they still do now, like as more things come out, but I think... There might be stuff that you can only find in a Disney park, and then I think Disney also carries stuff that you can find at Disneyland, at the Disney store, in the malls, um, at Targets, and stuff like that. I think, like, the black label, that could be found a few different places more than just Disney. They do have a lot of the costumes and um, dress-up wear, and I think better lightsabers than you can probably buy, say, at a toy store or Target or something like that. They have, you know, the higher... More expensive-y. I see. Because Chris, Chris, right, The uh, there's like a Build-A-Droid thing that's only available at Disney, right, Chris? Mm-hmm. Uh, there are a few, like, individual droids. Like, there was one, the, what was it, uh, R2H15, I think is what it was. Like a Christmas astromech. Like, he has a little Santa cat. That's right, yeah, yeah. Carded. Uh, and then there's also a Disneyland anniversary exclusive. I've seen one other, but I don't have it yet. The four droids that are part of a pack I've been told have also shown up at Disney stores, but the build a droids of course, and all the pieces and parts are exclusive to the, um, that those are typically the only figures that are exclusive to the Disney parks are the build a droids, which are just the components that you can construct your own astromex with. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I was curious about is like how readily available those were actually. Not as such. <laughs> <laughs> Not like build a bear. Yeah. <laughs> Pins are also usually pretty exclusive, and some people really get into the Disney pin thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, the pins, yeah. Yeah, well, we might as well go on with Chris Perillo. Welcome to the show. Hey, good to be here. 
what's been going on? Uh, well, I, I, uh, I, I finally, I, I, I decided uh, to finally go public on something that you and I had been talking about, and I've, I've mentioned it here and there, at least privately, uh, to, to a certain uh, subset of people, and that is, oh, sorry, are you there? Yeah, that was Tyler <laughs> falling down or something. Okay. Uh, I'm alive. Okay. Hey, do, you, do you need help? Do you need us to call any uh, paramedics? Please. Okay. I'm on it. Um, <laughs> I, I've been uh, uh, I've been an entrepreneur, self-employed for about 20 years or so, and uh, over the past decade and beyond, I've been producing events. And I'm at a point in my life where, uh, a- after the age of 40, I just learned on NPR. Uh, over the past week, they uh, uh, shared a study suggesting that those over the age of 40 will find or have a better chance of finding happiness if they rekindle an old passion or interest. Uh, well, I, yeah, no, isn't that fascinating? Yeah, that... <laughs> so I'm like, because I was doing it anyway. I'm yeah. an adult, you know, and some people, you know, are kind of like, really? You know, are you, why are you this much into Star Wars? You know, because I was that way when I was younger and it, yeah. you know, it reminded me of happy times. So... Well, that's similar to what happened to us when we started this show. We're all rekindling our youth right. and talking about these things. Yeah, it's normal for happiness. <laughs> wow, so you are happier officially than other people. Yeah, they're, well, they're miserable, <laughs> and so just find your happiness and, and rekindle an old passion or interest. So part of that is uh, uh, basically looking to create a quote-unquote intergalactic event here in Seattle, uh, and specifically geared towards people like. Uh, us, uh, not just collectors, but people who create content, podcasts, uh, fan sites, enthusiasts, and this intergalactic event not is is completely. It's not Star Wars. It's intergalactic. It's not <laughs> official. This is not you know no. We're not impinging on anybody's trademarks, copyrights, etc. But you know part of the focus is those who happen to be fans of old, distant galaxies. Yeah. Old. Yeah. That, you know, mm. very, very old, distant galaxies. So um, anyway, so that's that's something that is likely going to be happening at the Pacific Science Center August 13th and 14th this year after oh. an official Star Wars event, Star Wars Celebration. It's basically the opposite of Celebration. Super small, super high impact. Uh, Seattle, my intention is to do it every year. Uh, I found a great host in the Pacific Science Center. There will be a public uh, and a private, a quote-unquote private or limited portion. I had to go with the public portion, even though that wasn't my first choice because that's how the venue works. It would be easier for them to do. So I was like, okay, fine. Yeah. So, again, my focus is specifically on the true, the, the enthusiasts, you know, the people who are creating podcasts on a regular basis or website owners or, or you collectors who take pictures and share information and the, the general enthusiasts. Yeah. Or even, not really... or even artists who just like their right. passion is making, is right. recreating their and own personal art. Yeah, exactly. So, so, you know, it's, it's, like I said, it's unofficial, but it's, it's also very, very, it's a summit. It's a get together. It's a high impact, high relationship. My intention to put all these, you know, all of us together in the same room finally, so we don't get lost in the hallways at major cons. This is the opposite of a big con. It's, it's a small con. Mm-hmm. No, it's not a con at all. Uh, it's, uh, uh, you know, a, a summit, you know, basically yeah. put our heads together. My hope is to be able to connect us with quote unquote intergalactic licensees to me- better build relationships. Um, and, and again, keep it focused. And if we have, I know I can tell you, we already have a, a, quite a bit of local enthusiast support through a Facebook yeah. group that I belong to. Uh, I mean, I was 
happy to see that. But the only way this type of annual event could continue is if we can attract or if other people from outside the Seattle area support the event. This year's celebrations in London, there's really no domestic event to serve the fans of the old distant galaxy. So that's where it kind of that's why it's in August. It takes place after that. Um, yeah. So anyway, so I'm, I'm going to be creating intergalactic events and uh, I, I, there's more to come. Yeah. And as always, we're always happy to help. In yeah. any way we can, you know. No, wait, 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 wait until you hear what I I, 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 there's something else that's intergalactic that that'll get you excited. Yeah, but I can't say it yet. Sure teaser. thing. Teaser, teaser. Teaser. All right, let's go with uh, Rob next, since he's uh, going with the Star Wars theme, because Rob has drawn himself a new icon. Tell us yeah. a, little, a bit about that, because that's a pretty, uh, that's a nice, that's a nice drawing rendition of him. Hey, thank you, thank you. I mean, what um, do you guys think? What are the, what are the guys think? I I looked at it and I went, I want that on a T-shirt. <laughs> well, I do have prints. <laughs> <laughs> so you could just kind of uh, shirts. <laughs> see, I, it does show your artistic talent, when, Rob. You know, you uh, you know, when you when you really are in there, you've got it. You know. Oh well, thank you. When you, you get you. that zone or whatever, you get that just yeah. right. You know. Oh, totally, totally. And, and, and it helps to have the right cocktail of meds that keeps me flattened out, um, <laughs> um, among other things, too. I mean, hey, I have gotten much more productive since they bumped my lithium up to 1,200 milligrams. Let me tell you, that that has done wonders for, for my mood and my productivity. Well, we're, uh, we're glad to hear that it's working. Thank you. Thank you. But, yeah, this has been a, a busy week. That, that particular piece that uh, y'all are talking about is um, – um, my fifth watercolor painting actually that I've done, uh, I've just broken into watercolor, um, fairly recently and, and, and is sort of the new direction that I, I think I'm heading for, for, uh, a lot of my artwork and I've just really enjoyed how it's, how it's worked for me. Um, but, uh, this particular piece is a, a Kylo Ren, uh, that I'm, uh, personally really happy with. Uh, uh, it, it's, um, uh, a nine by twelve on uh, on, on uh, watercolor paper, and I just had a series of prints done this week um, for uh, Emerald City Comic Con, uh, which is just around the corner here, um, cool. along with uh, a couple of my other uh, watercolor paintings of uh, Iron Fist and Daredevil, respectively. Um, and uh, yeah, shoot, April seventh, uh, Emerald City Comic Con. That, that, that's uh, uh, pretty much the. the how my entire existence has been geared this last week is, is all for that show. I've been casting, uh, statues, getting, uh, some, some, uh, uh, Groots and Batmans and Jokers, uh, all taken care of and, uh, getting all my ducks in a row for the show. Nice. Do you have a booth nice. number yet? Um, I don't yet. Uh, I know it's the micro brew comics booth. I need to uh, find out where that is on the map. Uh, at the moment, I, okay, so you'll just be in with Microbrew Comics. Yeah, I'll be All in right. with Microbrew Comics. Um, uh, it looks like it'll uh, just be the two of us, though, uh, this uh, this year. So it's going to be like the uh, you know the Rob Clifford and Ron McCain show, <laughs> is what it sounds like. Well, it'll give you more room to put up more of your art and display more. You know. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. So then if you, you can have less books that people are kind of flipping through. You can have a few more put up around you. You know. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. No, I, I, I'm, I'm definitely planning on taking advantage of the, uh, of the space. Uh, I'm, I'm sort of working out my displays and whatnot, uh, 
uh, over the course of this next week. Yeah. And uh, just just kind of figuring out how I want my uh, table displays to really look. Yeah, exactly. You know, uh, are there any uh, speaking of those statues, which are really cool? And if you want to look at those, you can check them out at Alter Ego Comics and Collectibles in the Bellevue shopping uh, Crossroads Mall there. Right. You, they're still yes. there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. As far as I'm aware, Chris hasn't told me that they've sold. So I'm assuming that yeah. they're still in the uh, uh, case in the uh, kind of toward the back of the store. Uh, with uh, the, there's a, a case that showcases some local artists um, uh, back there, and and uh, and that's the place to take a look if you want to see them in person. Uh, also, um, Subspace Comics in Linwood, uh, I believe, still has uh, one, possibly two groups uh, from my original run, uh, and that's about it for now. Uh, everything else is is going into my stock to bring to the show. Yeah. But I, I, are there going to be any Star Wars statues in the future? You know, there very may, uh, there very well may be, uh, provided <laughs> that you know Disney Disney doesn't slap me down so, with a. Uh, actually, you know, yeah, hmm. no, th- th- this is actually a thing. This is relevant for this week uh, for news on that because WonderCon is apparently stomping down on it. They're actually going to have, like, I don't know if I want to say patrols, but people walking the floor for unlicensed goods and you could get fined or potentially taken into jail yeah wow. I've, heard, I've heard yes that potentially now i've heard with WonderCon what they're looking for more is bootleg items um where where their copies you know and generally poor copies of existing licensed items uh like i've seen a lot of stuff like fake kotobukiya statues and oh man See, so this, on this, so forth it, it makes me so nervous Oh yeah, well, because it, it it entirely depends on who is doing the enforcement, how they interpret the rules. Um, my understanding is that Emerald is potentially going to be doing something similar, but you know we don't know for sure. And and as much as you know, I, I don't know if this sounds pithy or not, but I mean, like we don't really know unless we kind of go in there and 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 test the waters. So um, you're just gonna put up your art and see what happens, right? Yeah, that's it. I mean, what, what what I figure worst case scenario, what they do is tell me you got to shut it down. But but if they shut me down, they're going to have to shut down three quarters of Artist Alley, you know. Um, yeah. So I, I don't know. I don't know exactly how they're going to wind up doing it. It It, it is something that I will 100 percent admit really made me reconsider having a table. Uh, you know, and just working for, for, you know, my, my, uh, boss at her retail space for, for, for the shop. And, uh, but, you know, I had the opportunity, I just had to take it and, and, you know, I, I guess I'll just sort of see where it goes. I, I am definitely worried though. Yeah. Huh. But, uh, I mean, Hey, you know, I, I may have some, uh, quote unquote intergalactic, uh, themed statues at some point here in the future, uh, because I'm really starting to gain an appreciation for that universe. Yeah. Yeah. Chris, do you want to so say something? Thanks, so- John. Do you, you want to, <laughs> Chris, do you want to say something or? Oh, no, I mean, I, I posted privately to chat, but this is the, the top, uh, one of the topics that for the summit or the private portion for the creators, I want to cover because IP is a big deal, intellectual property, yeah. trademark, copyright, and there's a lot of gray area that could be cleared up based on other people's experiences that when you get them all into the same room and talking about it, this is what makes it the summit, right? This high level intelligence that only podcasters care about or yeah. YouTubers do or social media posts. So it kind of like 
what kind of music can I use? Yeah. What kind of game footage can I use? You know, what, you know, what is, what, what passes, what doesn't, what's yeah. the line? How I much can I, is that 10 yeah. second rule real right. or is that right. just like a myth, you know? <laughs> right. So it's, it's, it, well, you know, and I'm sorry, whoever that person talked about Star Trek, I think is, is it's relevant to chime in because it's, it's very similar with what had happened with the fan film, which I thought was a great idea, but I'm like, there's no way this is ever going to fly. And it didn't. Yeah. It didn't. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You, can't, totally. you can't use, you can't use someone else's trademark without them coming after it because they have to protect it by law. Well, so here's the thing with this. I've been following this thing for a long while, and I've recently become very obsessed with Star Trek. Like I've been watching a lot of the old series and movies and what have you. And since Paramount has purchased the rights and everything, I mean, I've been following this for as long as it's been going on. The first time I heard about it, I didn't think it was, anything was going to come of it because Paramount, sure, they're a big company, but I mean, they're cracking down on the intellectual property rights of of it just being fan work. I mean, that's that's about as Silly as going after someone for drawing pictures of Kylo Ren. I mean, it, it's essentially the same thing. Having a quote fan film—that's what it is. It is entitled the fan film. It's not stealing the property or trying to make a profit off of it. If it, if anything, the money that they were gaining from it was to make the movie for free. They're not trying to gain a profit off of it in any way or, or say that they own it. You can legally say it's okay. You know, you can go. Dress up in any costume and then just hop on film and then say, I don't own this, and then go to town. That should be completely legal. But instead, they're saying, you know, no, this is our property. Originally, the Trekkie responded and said, you know, hey, well, define Star Trek. Uh, and they did. Definition of what it is. Yeah, they did. They give a full definition of, like, the language. Now, and, and this is for real, they cannot even use the, the uh, uh, either it was Vulcan or Klingon language at all without it being considered uh, intellectual property theft. In any Klingon, form, indeed. and it's very similar. Yeah, it's very similar to something that happened recently with uh, I think it was either Microsoft or Google with a form of code language, and that happened maybe like ten years ago. But people are still freaking out about that because it's something so minute that it does it doesn't make any sense that you would just freak out over something like that and go, no, you know what, you owe us money now for doing that. It's like if I said the word uh, "courage the cowardly dog" and all of a sudden Cartoon Network wanted to sue me for saying the name. Well, yeah, I mean, it's kind of like how the NFL claims that they own it, and they're not supposed to even technically say the names of the teams unless you have permission. And that's kind of the gray area where I'm like, like, what, what is permission, you know? But yeah. Well, and then there's fair use also, which kind of plays into it if you're doing parody or something educational, you know, which, which uh, you know, is is sort of the umbrella under which I think – most folks have have worked as you know uh, whether it's as an artist who does uh, uh, fan work or 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 you know you know work that, that isn't licensed to them um, or um, whether it's been for fan subbers uh, who translated old anime and and brought it to the U.S. for you know and distributed it for free you know to just to kind of you know put it out there you know before it was relatively rel- readily available on store shelves um you know so so there there are loopholes and whatnot in in there it it just sort of depends on the copyright holder as to you know how wide they hold those loopholes and and you know whether or not they choose to enforce them or not you know typically speaking in a convention setting most of the big um ip holders like marvel 
um, DC, Dark Horse, so on, have sort of turned a blind eye to to artists in like Artist Alley um, because they have generally considered it to be uh, free advertising. You know, um, that's true. And and it's yeah. and it's generally been kind of a gray area uh, where 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 it's it's been allowed. But but we've seen instances in the last few years, especially where that started changing, like Marvel slapping down Gary Friedrich, um, who was the writer of of Ghost Rider and, and the, the original writer of Ghost Rider and created the character. Um, Are you talking about the old like white mm-hmm. costume, white horse Ghost Rider? Oh no no like... no no no! Like like like, like Johnny Blaze Ghost Rider, like okay, like you okay. know, recycling flames. Yeah. Uh, so in the in the seventies, uh, so so he created that character and made his living essentially on the con circuit, um, selling prints of the character signed by him and and stuff like that, and and Marvel a, a few years ago turned around and just sued, just the piss out of this guy, uh, <laughs> and and slapped down a lawsuit. I think that they were issued a, a given like a $35,000 judgment, which was pretty much every penny that this guy had earned over like 18 years um, yeah. of, of just doing the concert and just, you know, and, and, and putting this together, putting this out there as, as you know, his character uh, that, that he had originally created. Um, admittedly, He's not the first one to have that done. I mean, there's Alan Moore oh, and no. Neil Gaiman, Todd McFarlane, issues like that. Yeah. Oh, certainly, certainly. Um, but he's, uh, he's, I think, the, the, the most prevalent one or the, the most uh, high level one that we've seen out of this kind of situation uh, in in recent times yeah you know um well let's generally wait speaking, one second go after. oh sorry let's uh huh? wrap this part up i think chris and christina both had one thing to say real quick but we really want to get into daredevil before we start running out of time <laughs> <laughs> fair enough um yeah the only thing i was going to throw in here because this is kind of in stark contrast and not to dig up the whole Star Trek versus Star Wars thing, because as far as I'm concerned, they're not mutually exclusive. I like Star Trek a lot. Love the Deep Space Nine series, Next Generation, etc. I'm not a Trekkie. But this is in stark contrast to what Lucasfilm is doing in uh, their fan film contest. Like, they don't – I mean, I know they have fine lines that, that you know could easily be crossed, but they are – directly engaging their community and to my knowledge starwars.com has links off to fan sites uh, Hmm. or at least at one point does and regularly uses and taps the community on a regular basis at least under matt martin's direction he's now moved on to lucasfilm story group um and i don't know if anybody's necessarily taking their place or if d d goot's got uh well i'm sorry i always say i always call her by her twitter handle uh, if she got, uh, if she took over uh, Matt's position, but their take on the matter was to always, you know, embrace that community and, and you know from the top down. That's from Kathleen Kennedy saying we wouldn't be here without the community. So it's it's interesting. This it's this is to me a bigger contrast between Star Trek and Star Wars than the content itself. Is the company's <laughs> yeah. treatment of the community? I, I, well, I mean, I think a big reason for that is because Paramount currently owns Star Trek. I mean, before that, it wasn't as much of an issue. Sure. And LucasArts has, my understanding has been this, that they've always been very open and supportive of their fan base, including, you know, artists, filmmakers, so on and so forth. But here's the pro- the, the thing that makes me nervous is it just takes one person to change and the entire direction changes. Yeah. Like, and, and, oh, and, yeah. And, and then what used to fly wouldn't necessarily fly anymore. Yeah. Oh, one, and- per- one person to cross 
a line that we're not sure what the line is yeah, yet, but yeah. what, but the, someone will eventually cross it, and then we'll see a different. Well, and Disney line. has always been traditionally way more litigious um, than either Marvel or uh, uh, Lucas, but now it owns them all, so so you have to take that into account as well. Yep. That that they may be more prone to wanting to, to sue somebody or to go after people who are infringing on their IP because Disney has always been super hardcore about that. Which is why I have a quote unquote intergalactic event. So <laughs> for example, <laughs> if, if we find a galaxy quests enthusiast, something rather, they're more than welcome to join us. It's not just, <laughs> that's intergalactic, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. That's Never surrender. <laughs> <laughs> Don't open the door. Is there air? <laughs> that, oh my god, that's, that's probably one of my favorite lines in any movie. So, Christina, did you want to say one thing real quick, or we were moving on to Daredevil? No, I was saying. Speaking of Marvel, that's <laughs> awesome. Yeah, we. Uh... I when it started i was like yay they're back i mean i i like um is his, was his name charlie cox that yeah. plays yes, yeah it is. um yeah. i like him as daredevil and um deborah amol i followed her during true blood and i love her as an actress i just love all the parts they play foggy's awesome i just oh yeah i, I think I think this is just like the best cast. You're just like, yeah, man, yeah, with everything. So they're making a really good decision with this. I think recently we've talked we've talked about certain actors kind of falling into the cult uh, mm. uh, franchise kind of story. You know, like David Tennant is playing the Purple Man and he was Doctor Who, and then he's going to be possibly in the Chew movie. And then you have uh, Deborah uh, playing Karen Page and uh, Charlie Cox, who was in Stark. Star- uh, what was it? Stardust. Stardust. Uh, mm-hmm. playing in Daredevil, and then uh, you've got... I can remember, never remember the actor's name. The guy who's playing Punisher. He oh, was yeah, in Walking Dead. Ball. Exactly. Sorry. You know, like, we've got all wait, these wait, awesome wait, wait, cast wait, wait. Say it, Rob. John Barenthal. Yeah, all right. His name is Barenthal? Yeah. Wow, that, that's a suiting name. It's a very masculine name for a very masculine... I say, you're going to give him crap about it? I mean, I'm not going to step up to the Punisher. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know, man. He looks like the kind of guy who'd be like, no, 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 no. You you, you like my name. And then he just knuckles (laughs) into my mouth. If you could have been on the other side of text with a friend last night, she and I were texting. I'm like, oh. And I'm like, okay. Okay, it's not half bad. You know, like, (laughs) I said I didn't like him in The Walking Dead. I just didn't. Mm-hmm. Well, um, he was a scumbag in the walk. Didn't I? Yeah. I locked it. I thought he was great. I thought he was great up until he went a little power trippy, but that's just me. But the um, actor played like that part or... brilliant, you know. Yeah, he did. No, he did. Yeah. I didn't like his character. Yeah. So seeing him well, in you this. I don't think you were supposed to by the end, right? No, 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 no. And Correct. then seeing him in this role, I had to like. <laughs> okay, he's not that guy, <laughs> this guy, you know? And then I, I kept thinking, what's the story behind this guy? And then I'm starting to see the story behind this guy. And I'm like, okay, you know, like it, I, I'm, I'm more of a, what's the story behind this guy kind of girl? Why is he the way he is? Let's get to it. Come on, come on, come on. So yeah. that's me. So well, I, think, uh, I think they let you know, that's for sure. Yes, they what, do. 
so we we're, I want to let everybody out there know who's listening that we are going to have some spoilers for you about at least the first two episodes. Spoiler of, alert! Of this one because uh, that was our goal. And uh, what I really want to ask right away though, first up is um, let's go, let's do this one. Chris, did you see? You saw the second episode, right? I'm up to episode four. Finished four last. Started last night to watch. I'll watch two, and then uh, I'll watch three. Uh, okay, I'll watch another one. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then that was it. So I, I, I'm, I'm up to episode uh, four. And I can tell you, my uh, my knee-jerk reaction almost immediately, and maybe even into the second episode, um, was, wow, this is this is already top season one by far. Yes. Yeah. Um, and But I always uh, – here's the caveat. I always say this about, like, this type of episodic content or this type of television series content – you have to suffer through the first season sometimes to get to the second season. Yeah. Um, that's not always the case, but I found that to be true with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which is my favorite part of the MCU. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, I certainly now find that to, to also be no, to also be true for, for Daredevil. You have to suffer through the first season to get to the second. Well, and that was something that Christina brought up about Babylon 5, right? Yeah. Yeah, and um, oh, there was another show. Parks and Recreations like that too. Yes. Same thing with Supernatural. Another yes. one where this first season was awful. But I'd hardly you know call what? the first season of Daredevil suffering. I mean, I thought the first season eh. of Daredevil was really good. I, I, I don't know. Supernatural. I thought the first season was pretty dang good. I don't know. I I kind of preferred the first one over the most of the other ones. But with uh, this one, I, I can kind of see that. I mean, it dragged on the origin a little bit, but I didn't mind it all that much. I thought I thought they started Daredevil. I have to correct myself because, like, when I think before I speak, I try to call it Deadpool. <laughs> <laughs> two two D words here. Um, when Daredevil started, I was like, ah, you know, I was like all excited, and you know, just watching for. And I do that like the start of you know uh, season two of Battle on Five. I was like just watching for the people that I knew, and I'm going wait, and I'm having to text somebody saying okay what's going on here you know <laughs> where did this guy go and they're like didn't you hear them talking about where that guy went and I'm like oh I do that with shows when the next season starts because sometimes they start the storyline picks up months after or a week after it depends on the writer so I'm just sitting there trying okay where's this person how did they change what's going on with this person where's that person you know <laughs> so it's I like seeing the dynamics of the characters is still the same they're still in that little office you know, not making any money, getting paid in pies and <laughs> fruit and <laughs> chickens, you know. Bananas. Yeah. Delicious still, cobblers. I thought that was funny. I went, well, we don't have any money, but we still have one piece of cobbler left. You know, <laughs> that, kind of... that was great. Well, I wanted to ask, okay, going into the second episode, like, what did you think of that fight between uh, Punisher and Daredevil? I was just th- on the rooftops there. I was just thoroughly impressed. I, I the choreography, I just the way that they put that thing together. What do you think, Tyler? So I'm always at kind of a toss up between stuff like that because a part of me goes, yeah, the choreography is absolutely fantastic. But uh, and you know I, I'm a great, I'm very appreciative of fights like that. Like they come out of like the Bruce Lee era of fighting movies and stuff. You know, choreographed, yeah. very beautiful. I can, can totally dig that. Um, but honestly, some of my favorite fights in movies and in, uh, shows have always been the messier ones. Like, um, like the stairwell then, 
Yes, that was so <laughs> phenomenal. My God, that's that, it. Just felt natural, you know. Yeah. I thought that this fight felt a little bit too choreographed in a way, but I liked the way that it kind of flowed from really watery, kind of transitionary, smooth dancing to really getting onto the ground and gritty, and then the end. And by the end, I was like, ah, that's so great. <laughs> Well, we could do that then. All right, let's go to the next person. Okay, Chris, what do you think? Uh, stairwell or the rooftop fight? Which one? You know, I was, <laughs> I was kind of <laughs> with the stairwell, uh, if only because I was thinking, dude, there's no way this is, was like one continuous shot, dude. There's no way. <laughs> but it was done so well. I mean, I suspended disbelief. I didn't, you know, think, oh, God, this is that's totally fake. I was like, dang, dude. This guy, whoa! You know, it was it, it. It really, I think, captured me more so just because of the complexity of of the physicality of that. Should it have been true to what we saw, which again, I don't think it was. Uh, so amazing uh, choreography, um, uh, you know, amazing flow uh, and uh, camera work and editing, just uh, uh, breathtaking. As far as I'm con- as far as I'm concerned, so far it's that's the pinnacle of uh of what i've seen with daredevil season one and two yeah cool rob what do you got oh i'd, I'd go with stairwell yeah. uh just just because it, it it was a beautiful beautiful scene i mean that that was just just amazingly done mirrors the 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 fight from uh episode two i think in season one um a bit uh but uh but uh the thing to to keep in mind, of course, is that these are fights that are early on in the in the season. Yeah. And so in yeah. some ways are warm up for what's yet to come. <laughs> That's true. Christina, well, what do you got? Especially in regards with Punisher and, and Daredevil. Oh, you know, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's gonna be more altercations to come. Oh uh, yes. Okay, what it's stairwell versus rooftop? I go with stairwell only because I don't know. And I sat, you, you're going to laugh. I actually sat there while watching and going, and how are we going to be talking about this on the podcast? Because I've got a lot to say right here. Ooh. And uh, because the, he, they were, he was fighting bikers. Was it? He was fighting like just gangsters. I think before. Yes. Gangsters, whatever. And so I got to thinking, well, how much I loved my mind goes off on tangents, how much I loved um, Sons of Anarchy. And I was thinking, oh, how would Daredevil stack up to the Sons of Anarchy gang? You know, (laughs) but then I'm sitting there going, okay, he has a chain attached to his wrist, a gun, um, you know, and he's fighting these people and he's blind. You know, I'm just like, I think that I just sit there with my jaw on the floor. He's blind and he's kicking their, you know, collective rear ends. (laughs) You know, and, and that's a good way to put it. I like that. I want to use another word, but I'm trying to keep it PG. You know, um, you know he, someone's coming up behind him, and he's just punched the guy out here. Whack, whack, whack. He whacks the other guy with the chain behind him. It's just like, damn, you know. And it just, you just sit there and go, like my face is like, mouth is to the floor, and my hands are in the air, going yes. And then it's over. It's like. Ooh, I feel just as tired as he does. You know? <laughs> I got so pumped after I saw that full of adrenaline. My God. Yes. One of the reasons I liked it wasn't, I mean, the cinematography alone is really fantastic, but something I really appreciate, even in stuff when it's clearly fiction, like there's not going to be a guy out there who's got like magical, like radar powers who can hear, you know, a penny drop a mile away. But 
I like when they – it doesn't matter if it's fiction or not. When they add that realness to it, like him being tired, just that simplicity mm-hmm. behind it really adds a lot to it. That's why I like the ending of uh, the first episode of season two is because it just – it ended in a simplistic, very believable manner. Because honestly, like seeing uh, Daredevil, I'm just walking and I'm, I'm watching and I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I kind of forgot that – I mean he's not invincible. yeah. Because he's not. He's he's very he's still human. He's just he's, got this kind of tiny power. Yeah, and and he can be just left lying on the roof, like you know. Mm-hmm. Which I really really dug the way that they drew on uh, Foggy and Matt's relationship with Foggy knowing <laughs> and Matt just mm-hmm. being conflicted and still kind of going, you know, I need this. You know, yeah. I I felt like that scene where they're in his apartment was very much a, not just a, a the illusion of I need to do this because it's the, for the best because it in a way it is and absolutely it is but it very much showed how he needed it just as badly like an addiction yeah it it it's it's kind of salves his ego too you know i mean he thinks that he knows what's best and has to dispense that justice you know so so it's just as much about him as it is about doing the right thing and absolutely. and and the fact you know the fact that he can't give it up shows that it's just about it just as much about him you know um, and i like that you use the word ego because there's been a lot of other stories out there that where he admits to himself that he gets too cocky because he does have mm-hmm. an ego it's it's oh he does which is funny yeah it's funny because he's a catholic and that's a sin and that's something that he cares deeply about but mm-hmm. he, he admits that that's a flaw of his own well and and that's the thing is that he admits himself that he is deeply flawed you know and he accepts the idea that he's deeply flawed um which is one of the kind of cool things about him as a character and the way that he's being portrayed, because most of the other characters in the MCU are, you know, shining golden gods in some (laughs) cases, literally, Uh, you know, and, and he is very much a human being who has really good senses and is a little more durable than most, you know, Uh, I mean, that that's really the extent of, of his powers, you know, and then the rest of it is just sheer willpower and training. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, and and I like when Punisher and and Daredevil work well against each other as a contrast because there's this one there's this one line uh, and they I, they've shown it in trailers and whatnot so I don't think I'm giving anything away where where he goes you're one bad day away from being me yes yeah and yeah. it is absolutely true you know I mean um, the only thing that's holding Daredevil in check from being kind of a monster is his willpower and his compassion. Hmm. Christina, you, know? you had a thought? Yes. Um, when you guys were going back to his ego, like I see that I see the ego, like, you know, even last season where everybody's like, please, when foggy was asking him like not to do it. And even that uh, nurse, um, mm-hmm. was yeah. asking him, you know, not to do it. And why do you do this? And I have to like, his ego is so big. And like, you know, and Foggy's always worried that, okay, he didn't come home tonight. Where is he? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I don't th- I don't know. Has Foggy seen him meander without his cane? Like, sometimes he just folds it and just starts walking because he can sense and hear yes. and guess where things are. But he has to be careful of who sees him because he's supposed to look like a blind guy. Yeah, mm-hmm. which he is. So I and I find myself like investing in his character, like, 
oh my gosh, will you stop it? You're gonna die. What are you dying for? You're gonna <laughs> die for no reason. Well, and I think it goes back I to that like, first season where he goes like on the rooftop when he's beating the hell out of that one gangster in front of Night Nurse. It's like, you know what? I don't do this, you know, I do this because I like it. You know, and, and in, yeah. initially that seems like something to, you know, meant to scare, you know, the person, but on a deep level, you know it's true. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, Tyler, what were you going to say? Well, I was just going to say, um, it's interesting, Christina, that you're talking about, like, uh, you know, he, he's putting on a show, I guess, in a way. And I don't want, you know, I don't want to give up to give away too much, but I will say this. Uh, with uh, the second episode, there's this scene where Matt's in his apartment, I think that we've all seen, where he becomes more, I guess, limited or becomes yes. aware of something. You know, that's there's something very important to me about that. I I was sitting there and I sat through and I watched I rewatched that a couple times and I was just sitting, like, what's the point in showing this here? Like, what what's what is it the writer and the director are trying to show me? There's an importance here in this, and maybe what I took it as is him having having to reflect on his own humanity and the fact that he's limited because if he doesn't have that help, regardless of the fact that he has this power or not, that's all it, it takes to take it uh, for him to ha- have that taken away. Yeah, and he, he's lost without it. Can you mm-hmm. guys explain something to me? Because I'm not sure if I missed it last season or if I'm not remembering because it was, you know, we binge watch a whole season. Then you have to wait how many months for the next season. Um, sure. It's not like regular shows where you just watch one a week. Um, I know he became blind by as a child by that accident. Mm-hmm. Did it give him other senses as well or were those just developed See, I'm not remembering. So, from what I understand is, and I mean, I've got some other nerds here who can back me up if I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, from what I understand is the waste that got into his eyes gave him, basically they enhanced his senses. You know, they took away his sight, but they gave him an enhanced sense of hearing, smell, taste, you know. And it's all those things combined that help make him who he is it's all of his other senses combined that are enhanced that help make him who he is and uh, it's is not a... necessarily... oh sorry no go ahead no go ahead oh, there is an actual radar sense that is its own specific thing yes but um, they don't really say is... that in the show they don't really say that in the show uh, necessarily but you're starting to to see that like in the stairwell fight like where he doesn't even look at somebody and friggin wax him behind him you know, you're you're That's just true. starting to see him really develop that as as more than just a a function of his hearing or or his other senses. And and in the comic, they they have you know uh, specifically said that it is another sense okay. uh, that that it is uh, you know uh, that that works differently than just as his hearing. So in a, in a way, we can say that the, the 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 toxic that stuff that took away his eyesight sort of mutated him a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Okay. I mean, it's basically okay. echolocation, from what I understand. I mean, yeah. he's like a bat. Uh, has anyone heard this? It's pretty popular on the internet. It's a post that says maybe Batman and Daredevil should replace names because one dude just jumps from building to building, and the other guy uses echolocation to fight bad guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, the thing to remember, though, with Daredevil is that it's not like echolocation because echolocation is directional, whereas his radar sense is omnidirectional. It's 360 degrees. Okay. That's true. And yeah. and he doesn't have to click to to you know sound off of stuff to like a doll. You know, yeah, though the way that uh, that a bat does. Stuff too. And, and mm-hmm. it could That's very true. well 
be yeah no it's it's kind of like a, I mean not just an amalgamation of, of all these senses combined but you know you you're a re, you remap like if if something happens and you've lost a certain ability you remap and you potentially gain other abilities in the process you know like yeah yeah your brain and stuff can remap yeah. its workings and yeah and in mm-hmm. in doing so theoretically and this is a stretch but it's also kind of suspending disbelief um you know it's it's uh i think it's feasible that his brain worked around it and potentially then unlocked other abilities well, I kind of always pictured it as like it's that he has all of these normal abilities that we all have, but it's that they're so enhanced and combined they make the radar sense that you know you're tasting the gunpowder you're you're hearing the fact that there's uh, a hum in the background that's bouncing off of that dude's uh, 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 knee that you know is weak, so I can t- I can attack that. That's kind of Which how factors I into it too. I mean, he does have all those enhanced senses that can detect all of those things, and he uses all of those to their fullest advantage. But it's the radar sense itself is its own thing that that really gives him his place in space and allows mm-hmm. him to to see everything around him in 360 degrees. I see. Sure. You know. Christina, by the way, I know that you've been talking about how uh, there's some readings that you've been wanting to get recommendations from from us a couple episodes ago. I have been delving myself. I came into John's work actually pretty recently, and I picked up some trade paperbacks of Daredevil stuffs, and oh. I really highly recommend checking out Mark Wade's run uh, of Daredevil. It's okay. fantastic, and it, it, it's it's right up your alley, I believe. Okay, cool. Highly will... second. <laughs> Highly second. Highly okay. second. Is, is there more of those in your store, John? Because, um, you know, I'd like to have them. Um... <laughs> uh, were, there, were there more, Tyler? <laughs> the last I saw, honestly, was that there was I, – I took the only Mark Wade uh, one that there was, but there's also Brian Michael Bendis stuff there, which is easily just as good. Okay. It's also like – it's like eight times as dark, too. So if you want something that's more fun, definitely go with the Mark Wade stuff. Sure, yeah. and I think that there was a reason for that, though, because Mark Wade's stuff, I feel like, is an homage to the original series, which was very campy, kind of, par- you know, fun. And then Frank Miller came along, and then he was like, let's make it very noir. And Bendis was like, yeah, I like crime. I know how to write crime. And then he does his run very noir-esque as well. Certainly, huh. certainly. But admittedly, you can subtitle The Last 30 Years of Daredevil up until you got to Mark Wade as Daredevil. How can we shit on Matt today? Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> and, no, it's very true. I mean, it's the same thing with like Spider-Man. I mean, it's pretty much every story is like, hey, let's let's just be really harsh to this guy. Oh, yeah, and then yeah, I yeah. I have I do have a question. Go ahead. Um, yeah. th- this season, they I mean, obviously his um, costume outfit whatever um, has changed. Um, mm-hmm. That one guy built him a new one. Mask changed. The uh, outsides yeah, changed. And I'm Melvin not gonna look. I'm not going to lie. I compared it to Daredevils. What? I did. What, I'm, you mean I'm, Deadpool? I'm, oh, you mean Deadpool? Deadpool. See, <laughs> I did it again. <laughs> um, I, 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 compared, I compared their... I want to call it a costume because whatever. Um, I compared the Outfits. texture and they're both red. Um, but... Sure. Um, is it... Where was I going? Oh, yeah. Is it to be, is it to be, <laughs> We're like, come on, get it out. Tough? Is that what this new and improved one is? More uh, tough. Like he's not supposed to get hurt as bad. 
Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Melvin says that it's supposed to be much more reinforced, but it is much closer to the Daredevil uh, cowl from the comic, which, and I think that that reads a lot better in a lot of these scenes. Uh, the, the original helmet had really weird proportions. Uh, it had kind of a tall forehead, uh, kind of the eyes were kind of sunk a little bit mm-hmm. low in the head, and it was almost black. And, and, and so it, in a lot of these dark scenes, it you couldn't see it very well. Huh. Uh, so I, I think that that's why they changed it, you know, for, for those reasons. But, so the well, nose... I think the original... Oh, sorry. Can I ask one question real quick? The, the nose Go bridge... Uh, I didn't like the nose either. Was that... So that was part of the costume in the comic? Uh, no, I mean, the, 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 the that's more Batman than, than Daredevil. Okay. Daredevil's traditionally had an... Uh, had, um, a, his, his, one that went over the bridge of his nose. Yeah, that's kind of um, how I would prefer it, but, I don't, but, but whatever. Uh, but for know. something like this, I mean, when you're getting punched in the face a whole lot, I think something that covers the bridge of your nose might not be a bad idea. Okay. Agreed. Hmm. No, I totally Because he is getting in the, punched in the face a lot. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean... He, uh, he is. They, I was reading up on some stuff about Charlie Cox and his preparation for everything, and I remember reading this article that was on the side that said, uh, that originally they almost canceled the show because of the design of the costume, I guess. And I think that they, they've just been re- redoing it for a little while and the selling and marketing of the toys and Funko Pops and everything, which, by the way, if you haven't seen that toy, that's a great little Funko Pop, the, the Netflix oh, Daredevil. So great. And I, I think the pressure from everybody to check that out has been a very... I'm actually looking at it on my shelf right now, actually. Are you really? <laughs> I am. I've been wanting to get it for a while, dude. It is worth it. It is fantastic. It is one of the nicest pops, I think, that I have here, detail-wise, other than maybe, like, the low pan, which has, oh, like, yeah. ridiculous filigree, like, all through the through the helmet and whatnot. Hmm. Thank you so much for having such hilarious and great taste, because I equally love that movie. Oh, it's, like, one of my favorite movies of all time. <laughs> who, I mean, who among us doesn't, like... Big Trouble in Little China. <laughs> I know, right. and like the pops that they made are so good. <laughs> like so I, I'm just waiting. I'm just desperately waiting for the um um. Oh damn! I can never remember what they call him. Uh, the big orange monkey looking dude. Um, oh yeah, uh, he's just some demon guy. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, they they call him something like you know like uh, the Chinese monkey man or something goofy like that. I remember um, that. Yeah. I oh wait, no, it was like him. pig-faced something monkey dog or something. Puppy monkey. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Like, seriously, okay, that, but, that movie's like the best ever. It, but if I could go like back to yeah, like the storyline, get us, get us back little... on track. Uh, I'm good at that sometimes. Um, I think some of us have ADD. I'm sorry. Uh, I think all <laughs> of us do at some point. Um, no, I do all the time. I do, I do too. Sit down in a room with me, and I'll see something off to the side. I go, "Hey, do you know that that happened over there?" Um, no, but back to the storyline. And without mentioning everything in the trailers, does does it show the interactions with certain people that we can talk about? Because obviously, I'm did I watch six or am I at six? I don't remember. Um, That's a really hard question to ask because he interacts with a lot of people during the entire show. With Foggy and Karen, his main interactions with them and the arrival of Electra. I don't like her, by the way. Well, I haven't Um, seen the arrival yet. Does she show up in four? Uh, 
four or five? Four or five, yes. Hmm. Uh, that's why I stopped watching last night because they were all starting to meld together, and I didn't want to accidentally say, "Hey, did you see?" Blah blah blah. <laughs> Terrible at keeping track of individual episodes and what their content. Yeah, I, yeah. I, when you when you're, when you're flowing in one from the next, yeah. Three oh, yeah. was just very like hardcore awesome. Um, well, uh, I think that's what you're getting at with the with the interactions. Like, there's a great interaction in three that takes up like I think almost took up half the episode. Yes. And that interaction really delves deep into the character and who these who each of them are. Right. Because they're having like a conversation for basically half the episode. Right, and and Did, I, I feel like we get to know um, Matt Murdock a little bit more. Um, I don't feel in this seat so far in this season that Matt and Foggy and Karen are so much okay. Three people that are thrown together. I feel that they are truly like deep in friends, sort mm-hmm. of. Um, it's so funny because as tough as matt is as daredevil when you see him in his regular life i go okay we're all nerds at some point right all geeks he he really shows it and he really does a great job of switching the personas a bit Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. that's what i i enjoy that because matt on the street is not daredevil on the street if you will even though they're Mm -hmm. the same person it just Mm -hmm. you know that's just my thought on that. I just like, and I like that they've kept Karen a little uh, curious and sneaky as she was last season. They've kept her as, as such so far. Yeah. Hey, Chris, what are you thinking of either the costumes or the uh, interactions between characters in season two so far? Um, well, again, you have to get through season one to get to season two. So I already have context going into it. And so I'm, I'm happy that I don't have to, you know, learn about everybody in the roles. I just kind of know, right? They're old, familiar faces. Yeah. Um, I, I guess there's nothing that really pops for me, not to be confused with Funko Pop Vinyl. <laughs> Funko Corporation of Everett, Washington. Um, the, uh, um, it, it, nothing's really standing out to me. And I figured he'd get some upgrades with with you know with the second season and, and things that happen um but, but I, I guess i don't see it that clearly and maybe it's just that the uh, the, the brightness on my uh, screen is is not as, as as dramatic as it should be or it's not very bright because uh, you, you only see him in the dark yeah uh, mm-hmm. so it's kind of hard to pick and, and very rarely do you see a still shot um i i think it's kind of cool I, I had one question answered specifically and i'm not going to issue any spoilers in relation to uh, the eyes, like were they completely covered or were they translucent? That that is actually answered in an episode, um, but I'm not gonna. You just you, you, yeah, you, you yeah. can watch for it, right? Yeah. Um, but I always had that question, like, is is it just covered up? Because why would he need to have it uncovered? But is it is it translucent or what? Uh, so that kind of you know, I, I was kind of taken aback. I wasn't like shocked or anything. Um, but uh, you know, in terms of interaction with characters, they, they again they they picked up right where they left off. A, a good Jessica Jones reference. Uh, where it needed to be, mm-hmm. yeah. Without going, you know, you know, too far into it, uh, you know, I, I, I like. Um, I think, I, and maybe it's not that I didn't like Foggy in the first season, but I think I like him a little more in the season. Like he, yes. he, he's, he's kind of. I think he's, and I don't know if he's matured because he kind of stepped into that, uh, you know, the, not a parental role, but like a super, super. How, how would you say it? Like this, 
he knows that that Matt's going into the fray like every mm-hmm. night. You know, he's concerned about it, right? But Foggy's actually, I think, stepping into his own uh, and showing it in a, in a few different ways, uh, more on how he thinks that he can actually influence events. And and you're seeing Foggy, you know, even start to act in independent, you know, of, of Matt, thinking that he or he has enough confidence. So it's possible it's possible that some of the confidence is rubbing off on on Foggy while Foggy still remains grounded in reality. Um I'm not sure about the romantic relationship yet. I mean, it, it was kind of <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. It was kind of hinted at before, but not really. I I, I figured, okay, dude, you, you're talking about you know um, people who are together all the time. You know, they, they they work, they're passionate, they're you know they're you know good people. It was probably bound to happen. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I I'm just not sure how I. feel feel about it it's not it, it's kind of like uh um uh what's the what, there's there i mean there's a few uh like like okay frazier i'm frazier is like one of my favorite sitcoms ever i watch it like when on reruns all the time um and and if you're familiar with daphne and niles like there was just this build-up through all the seasons like, yeah niles was always longing for daphne and, and, and his love was unrequited and you know there's always these you know mis you know missteps and and, and mis mistimings and ultimately you know, spoiler alert you know it's, <laughs> it's been out for a while but they got together so that was to me that was um that that was it was it was well timed i'm not sure if this romantic interlude is it, because the problem is is that that could introduce complexities uh, because of all the reasons, right? You know, yeah. you don't date coworkers. You don't. <laughs> right. You don't date coworkers because, and this is, I'm, I'm just telling you, that is, I think, absolutely going to play into it. It's not, the, and it's not. The, I don't think it's unnatural. I think it's very natural. It's just I'm not sure how I feel about it yet. I'm not sure if it was like, ooh, too soon, too soon. But, but again, this is only second season, right? You know, and and they're doing it. They must do it for a reason. There's got to be a reason apart oh, yeah. from you know. Yeah. I just don't know what that reason is yet. I don't see it as clear as like, oh, yeah, it's obvious these two are going to totally get together. You know, Can Karen I... is his great tragic love. You know, I mean, she yep. she is. And and going back for, for, for 20 years, I mean, her their, their interweaving story and her eventual demise is one of like the most uh, heartbreaking things that Matt ever has to deal with. See, I, yeah. I'm not yeah. familiar with the context. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Yeah, Chris is probably not familiar with the comics as much, you know, going back. I'm not either. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but, hey, that's what you guys have me for. <laughs> <laughs> and Tyler, I mean, jeez. You probably mm-hmm. knew that too, Tyler, right? I did, uh, and I also uh, knew about, well, I mean, I, I like I said, I just picked up the a lot of the Bendis issues. So, I mean, I'm learning about a lot more of Matt's love interests that aren't just Karen and Electra and... Other oh, people that maybe, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, <laughs> characters that they're probably not going to draw on in the show, but maybe who knows? But well, all, all um, I can say is, for me, from this point, like, because I don't know the comics and stuff, like when that happened, I was going to jump in with Chris was talking and say, and here I am going, oh yay! Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm a little girl, obviously. <laughs> oh, boy. See, here's the thing, I'm a huge romantic, like nerd when it comes to stuff like that i love romance stories and i love romantic comedies and stuff like that and just that subtle scene with the pool Mm. playing pool Uh, oh yeah Mm -hmm. 
I'm not gonna lie. I had to put that. I I had to pit, hit pause, and I was like, ha. Yeah. And then I picked up my dog, and I was like, you're the favorite thing. Oh my god. <laughs> I'll, I'll admit it. I nerded out really way too hard, and I I grilled out a little bit. You know. Yeah. No, no shame. I, um. I I'm I'm a total. I was like texting my friend going. Oh, and she goes, wait till you get further. There's one that you'll go, oh, yeah. And then, then there was one I was like, oh, I gotcha. <laughs> you know. I think that's actually being very fluid. I don't have a problem with here. Well, I think it's fluid just because it's like you said. I mean, it, when it's around people that you are seeing every day, you you know, it's people. It's I don't think it's just that. I think it's just it's also that Matt is a character who's shown compassion as Matt Murdock. He's shown that when he wants to help people, he will do it, and he succeeds in doing it. And he's always he's got this, I'm going to play off being cool because I don't want the world to know who I am or what I'm actually like you know, at night and whatever, which comes off as very stoic, confident, cool, and kind of sexy. So, well, I mean, I, of course it's going to happen. I don't find him, I don't find him that lovey, mushy type. And when you see a little bit of that spark happen and he smiles a little bit at her, you're like, oh, there it is. I knew it was there somewhere. You know? <laughs> but It is a huge problem, I think, in a lot of storytelling, whether it be in film or show or movie or, or uh, uh, TV series, is showing the humanity of a character because just saying, hey, these two are in love, like, you, if you force that, no one no one believes it. People don't like a forced relationship. People go, ah, come on, really? Like, those two, like, why? You know, if you force a, a, a friendship, if you force an interaction and you don't express why it's happening, if you don't make it happen fluidly, you ruin the characters, you ruin the story, you ruin pretty much the whole development, the whole character development, everything, you know? You can't just throw two characters together and just be like, okay, and these are two, these are, you know, two best friends, and then they're dating, and then blah blah blah, and then this moving on. I think that ha- you know having that fluidity is is very very important, and showing just things like that, just like his humanity and his compassion towards Karen, is mm-hmm. essential to showing uh, not only like why they're going to be good together as a romantic couple, but who he is as a person when he's not Daredevil. Hmm. Daredevil. Here's my confusion. The soap opera version. What? Yeah, exactly. Well, let's be honest here. Every comic and everything comic related is a soap opera for dudes, basically. Yeah, yeah. Well, what else were you um, going to add? Here's my you... confusion. Yeah, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, like, it seemed it seemed like they were hinting at Karen and Foggy for the first season. Did I? Was that me? I mean, I thought no. that. No, I thought the same thing. Yeah. I I kind of did too, was... especially the walking oh. down the street scene. They definitely had yeah. like a thing budding there, but I don't think it ever went anywhere. And and it seemed like she was really kind of from the beginning, kind of had the hots for for Matt, and then sort of fell into Foggy in uh, kind of a, a state of of drunken kind of passion and and goofiness, and then they sure. sort of like you know tumbled together as it were. Uh, but but I got a feeling that since since day one, she's always kind of come back and you know looked at Matt out of the corner of her eye. Hmm. That makes sense. And Foggy, does anyone kinda, know the story? Sorry, is Foggy kind of the uh, the brother? You know, like we, she would look at him like the brother. Uh, typically, I think in a lot of cases, that's how Foggy's been characterized in a lot of you know the the, the way that they they haven't ah excuse me sorry the way that they've characterized him in the comic and and. You know, kind of the way that he comes across here. I mean, he is so lovable, like a little brother. Yeah. Any thoughts on that, Chris? 
No, those are pretty much my thoughts. Like I said, he's kind of stepping into his own, and, and maybe after the reveal of him you know, understanding what Matt's doing, he's just taking that big brother role. Um, big brother and little brother. Just family, like a brother. Yeah, you, yeah. You know, someone who's <laughs> the fam- basically the family caretaker, effectively. Something that may have typically fallen to another, you know, uh, another person in the group, but Foggy, I think, has got the mantle. Um, you know, and, and I think we see that with him, uh, you know, you know, caring for Matt and, and trying. You know, he's always got his back, but then even, you know, fighting for the clients still. Like uh, yeah. when he's going in and talking to uh, Ray's, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and like he just boom, and like oh man, he ooh, okay, well he he wasn't as as green as everybody thought he might have been. Yeah, yeah. And he certainly surprised Karen. So, you know, it's it's really, uh, um, you know, I think uh, it. it I'm seeing natural progressions of characters. There's nothing that is completely, at least, again, I'm up to episode four. Um, there's nothing that is just outstandingly, what the, no, come on. Yeah, That's yeah, yeah. Which, you know, ultimately will keep me going. Nothing's jumping the shark yet, you know. <laughs> um, you know, it's so uh, I, I've, I've rather, um, you know, I found it to be a good balance. I find it to be a really good, pay- let, me, let me put it this way. You know, in watching or planning on watching two episodes and making it all the way through four episodes, I think is very telling. Yeah. Like it's, it, it is it, the, the way they end the episodes is almost very, um, uh, agents of shieldy, you know, um, like, Oh man. Oh no, I cannot. Yeah. Wait. I have to watch that, that episode. <laughs> um, minus the end of, I think episode four. I mean, even though I'm kind of like titillated, um, at, at this, at, at where it ends, it's not quite as, I think as dramatic an ending as, as some earlier episodes have been. Um, but it, it, it's very good pacing uh, up to episode four, like I said. Um, and uh, I've, I've been watching or following a few other people I follow on Twitter. And someone, I guess, has finished the season. And I said, well, I hope it doesn't go downhill from here. And it, what my indication has been that it doesn't go downhill from episode four. So I'm, I'm very, very happy to hear that. And like I said, I, uh, I can't say that I was all that impressed with the first season of Daredevil, but it's not my fandom. Um, I like Jessica Jones more than the season, uh, first season of Jessica Jones more so than, uh, than the first season of Daredevil. But I, I think you also have to get through the se- first season of Daredevil to really enjoy the second season. Yeah. So I'm enjoying Daredevil more now than I think I enjoyed Jessica Jones. If that makes sense. It's, you know, I get you. I get <laughs> no, you. I get you. The first, well, the, I... the first season like really gives you the, the character and wh- what's going on. And with, with that knowledge, it makes you, um, enjoy season two that much more yeah yeah christina yeah i wanted to ask because chris you talked about jessica jones and i'm assuming the rest of you guys have seen it too i got it three episodes in and i kept falling asleep during every episode maybe because i was watching it at night i have no idea but i felt that the storyline was moving really slow and i wasn't i mean i love jessica jones i love that she's sarcastic she's um uh, what's the word I want? She's sarcastic and like a little bit stoic and like whatever. I like that in a female character. I can be that way sometimes. Um, but I felt like it was moving slow and I want to jump back in. I figured maybe I would try once there I was done with Daredevil. It so, doesn't move faster is my question. Okay, so I did not like Jessica Jones as much until a certain episode. It's when Tenant's role is Kilgrave. That's okay. when, that's really, I mean, because... Without Kilgrave balancing, it's—I wouldn't say it's precarious, but it's definitely missing a lot. Like the the chemistry 
or, or just just David Tennant's presence. And granted, he is my doctor, so I, I do mm. have to put that out there. So I'm a little biased there. Um, but there was a certain I, I don't want to again since you haven't seen it, I don't want to throw any spoilers down. Well, I don't. But care. there was one episode where um, it, it was effectively Jessica finally faced Kilgrave, really, and, and, and went into Kilgrave's what would seemingly be a trap. And that's when I was. Oh, just, that I, episode. Yeah, and I, I mean, like it, she goes in to this the reveal construct. Well, I don't know if it, it's the same one that I'm talking, uh, the same reveal, but like uh, their base, she, she's trying to address Kilgrave best she can, and she goes to him. So it just it had me jumping off the bed, going, "No, oh man, oh oh no!" And when I do that. Like, if I'm watching, like, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., I do that. I'm, like, I'm laughing. I'm, like, oh, no, oh. And that's how I know it's a good show. And that from that episode on, I enjoyed Jessica Jones. Uh, and I never really felt that with Daredevil. But I am watching the second season, and I'm really appreciating it um, because of having – I mean, like, I, I go back to it because so many people – I mean, like yourself, I, I don't – I want to push through it because I watched one episode of Jessica Jones. I'm, like, eh. But – you know, having gone through it, now I, I've already got, you know, hopefully a second season if they build it up like they did Daredevil, if, if Jessica Jones plays out like Daredevil did, or even Luke Cage or any of the other MCU shows that they're going to be uh, creating, the, the the 70 million of them. You know, hopefully <laughs> the second seasons, um, they, they seem that the uh, if there's a motif with the MCU and, and uh, television or episodic content, the second season is substantially better because you had to get through the first season to get to the second season. Yeah. Uh, second season of Jessica Jones has been confirmed. First season of Luke Cage starts September. Yes. And there's more uh, other MCU uh, content coming down the pike. Yep. Iron Fist as well. And then ultimately the Defenders. Um, that's interesting the, that's that you mentioned the plan. Iron Fist. Did you hear about mm-hmm. – um, well, there was someone – I forget who it was, but she works for Marvel. Um, I think she's an artist – where a while back she posted on Twitter, oh my god, if they po- if they make Iron Fist a white guy, that's it, I'm done. If they do the whole uh, wandering ancient white man who's walking, you know, the path of kung mm-hmm. fu, I'm I'm done. And she's an Asian American, so I think that that's where she was coming from with that. Yeah, uh, and so am I. You know, and and, and they, I think well, that that's cast- just sort of a pedantic view. I mean, it's just it's it's like really, guys, you want to fundamentally, it, it it's the the idea of of characters that are that are people of color are sacred cows and can't be you know messed with but uh you know characters that are uh white should be changed to suit you know whatever whim it's 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 kind of an interesting idea and and with 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 iron fist it makes no sense because his entire point is that you know he was basically raised in this temple you know and and then comes back to his own country a, a total outsider you know, and th- 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 that's kind of like the whole idea that they play off. And so, you so know, it's, it's like you mentioned that. But at the same time, I mean, there's a willingness, I think, for a lot of Marvel characters with anything. I mean, look at uh, Heimdall in the Thor movies. I mean, he's black and in a Norse mm-hmm. mythology universe. There's a black character. I know. There's I know. And I, and I thought that was odd as well. Nick Fury. And, and I've, I've complained about that. That doesn't bother me because they've actually he was based um, the the Sam Jackson Nick Fury was based on the uh, Ultimates uh, Nick Fury, which was based on Sam Jackson. So I mean, you can't much get closer to the comic than that. <laughs> sure, and I totally I uh, agree with that. And, and they since retconned like the rest of the MCU, so that in the normal six one six, you know, Marcus, you know, Nick Fury Jr. is is you know looks like 
Sam Jackson in a Nick Fury outfit. Yeah. A young hmm. Sam Jackson in a Nick Fury outfit, admittedly. Sure. <laughs> well, I mean, do you think that it's weird that they cast the, – I mean, I don't think it's necessarily the weirdest thing in the world to cast. I mean, because Iron Fist in the comics is white. But, mm-hmm. I mean, do you, would you agree with that? That it's kind of – I mean, do you think that it's it's offensive to Asian I – because mean, I think the message getting across was that it was offensive to Asian culture to cast a white person know, doing that. I want to know how it's offensive – uh, to, to Asian culture to cast a white guy in a white role whose entire point is to be the other in an Asian society initially growing up and then to be the other in his own white society when he becomes an adult. So and it, it's like the entire point of the character is to be the other in, in a situation where the white person is rarely the other. So he you know? feels so, like so, he doesn't fit in either world. Well, he doesn't fit in either world because yeah. he grows up a Kuai you know, uh, the little blonde white guy in a Chinese temple, uh, essentially, you know, Kunlun, um, you know, who where nobody likes him because he's apparently the friggin chosen one um, or whatever, you know, or, or is favored more uh, than than, you know, the po- the people who are supposed to receive this honor. So the people who have the privilege, interestingly enough. So it, it's, it's kind of though the whole idea of, of iron fist is kind of taking privilege and turning it on its head. And if you look at it from that aspect, it, it's actually kind of fascinating to have a white person in that role. Yeah, I can see that. I just think that it's interesting because I mean, the willingness lately for, you know, the change of a diversity, uh, mm-hmm. in, in pop culture with comics, movies, etc. I think there's a lot of willingness to change things around a little bit. I mean, we have uh, Amadeus Cho playing uh, as uh, the Hulk. Maybe not the original Hulk, but we have him as the Hulk. We have sure. You know, but these Black are Nick changes Fury. that make sense. You know, I mean, they sure, change totally, that make sense I'm... within the context of the characters and the history. You know, we'll bring up you know like uh, Sam, uh, you know uh, Sam Wilson as Captain America now, but you know Sam Wilson has been you know, side by side with Captain America since the 70s. I mean, yeah. they co-titled a, a, a title together. It was Captain America and the Falcon, you know? Mm-hmm. So it makes total sense that he's the the, the legacy recipient of of um, the S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah. You know, with Jane Foster as Thor, you know, Thor Odinson is no longer worthy to wield the hammer. And she knows because, you know, uh, she knows that if she picks up the hammer, she will die. You know, she that that it will cause her to die faster because the 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 power of Thor will also supercharge the cancer that's killing her. Yeah. Yet she picks it up anyway because she is worthy. And therefore, it makes total sense that she is Thor. You know, Amadeus Cho. Well, hey, it's Amadeus Cho. Crazy science dude, third, fourth smartest dude in the Marvel Universe. You know, he's going to do what he's going to (laughs) do. I think that it's interesting that we have. Yeah, and I don't know the actress who plays Electra, but I'm I'm very interested and very satisfied in a way to see uh, an actress of that nationality play a character like Electra because you know it's very much I mean Marvel DC both come from a world of white normality and mm-hmm. there wasn't very much diversity so seeing characters like that you know mm-hmm. played by people who aren't just straight up a sea of white bread oh, is yeah. kind of important Although- I can totally see that. Interestingly enough, you know, because representation is a hugely important thing and is a massive topic in comics right now. Um, interestingly enough, Electra, of course, herself is Greek. Um, so there's actually a huge backlash right now that a non-Mediterranean woman is playing Electra. 
uh, if I remember correctly, the actress who is playing her is like Filipino and it's like Filipino and like Irish or something like that or Filipino oh, and Spanish. You know, so um, so I, I can't quite remember because I, I looked her up the other day because I was wildly curious myself. Um, but uh, but now there's a huge backlash amongst uh, Greek fans and whatnot who are going to like, why are you casting some Asian person in a Greek role when there's plenty of Greek actresses who could totally take this spot? You know, so it's like no matter what you do, you're never going to win. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. The whole like rule is like you can only please some of the people some of the time. But I guess yeah, totally. you know, this is really brought up. This is really brought up the question of where does uh, race begin and end as far as mattering in representation? Because we have characters who are very powerful that you can look up to, like Nick Fury, mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. are a great representation. You also have people like Luke Cage. But I mean, mm-hmm. even then, like Luke Cage was a pimp, you know. Yeah. And then and, uh, you have, but then you have people like Black Panther, who was uh, a leader of a nation. Or sure. and but Luke Cage has also done more than than enough to redeem himself from his kind of shady roots here in the intervening like thirty plus years. You know, I mean, uh, so he's done a lot of stuff to 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 really change, you know, how he's been portrayed. Or or editorial has done a lot to change how he's portrayed over the years. Let let let's be honest. Uh, or sure. let let's. <laughs> yeah. Um. You know. Uh, you know, I think representation, race is hugely important in terms of representation. Um, and, and I can only speak for myself, you know, because I grew up in a sea of white superheroes. Um, still my favorite thing. I, I love comics. I, I always will. Um, but I never saw a Chinese one when I was growing up. That's for sure. And, and when uh, Gail Simone uh, several years ago uh, took over the Atom, they, they redid it. So that the main character was Ryan Choi, um, a Chinese physics professor who was searching for the missing Ray Palmer and who had been left, um, you know, one of his dwarf star belts, essentially. Right. Uh, to, mm. to kind of take on the mantle. And I kid you not, that was the first superhero that I had ever seen that looked like me. And I cried. I cried my damn eyes out. Really? It meant that much to me. Wow. Because I had I've... never seen anybody like that before. And, and, and like, like I, I, it, it, it's true. And, and to think now that we have a generation of kids who can grow up with, you know, a Captain America that looks like them or a Thor that looks like her, you know, I mean, how bloody cool is that? You know, you have, Absolutely. you know, Kamala Khan, Miss Marvel, you know, who is, you know, who is, um, a, a, a character who is, you know, Pakistani American, openly practicing Muslim, you know, in a in a time when that is almost a scary thing to be, you know, mm-hmm. and and this is somebody who's showing their shining example that they too can be a hero, and showing showing kids who look like them that they can be heroes like her, you yeah. know, it means everything, you know, and Absolutely. the same thing goes with like LGBTQ. Um, you know, representation, you know, don't get a whole lot of that in, in, in media in a positive fashion, which is changing, but, but, but it's changing very slowly and it's changing, you know, much slower than we're getting racial representation in, in a lot of things, you know, and, Absolutely. and, 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 you know, and of course that's still taking into account that what, like 80, 90% of comic book characters are 
male and white. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? I mean, it, it, I really started, like, becoming more aware of my privilege, you know, the whole white privilege thing a lot mm-hmm. more recently from, one, taking sociology classes, but just talking to people and just realizing, like, I don't really think about my race in that regard all that often. And, I mean, just seeing a normal, I mean, just seeing that sea of Matt Murdock is white. Karen Page is mm-hmm. white. Foggy Nelson is white. And I just don't think about that. Mm-hmm. But then again, I'm well, not a person who because, has to think about it. Exactly. You know, because that's just sort of, you know, what you come to expect. And that's just sort of like the, the normal, the normal uh, environment is that these characters all kind of, you know, look like you, you know, or, or look like, you know, like John down the street or whatever, you know. But, you know, when, when you're talking about, uh, you know, uh, uh, folks from, from other races and other backgrounds and whatnot, you know, we've never really had that, you know, the, the, that representation other than as the other or as the joke or as the sidekick um, or, 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 you know, as a parody, you know, I mean, it's like, it, it's, it's kind of crappy when you see something that, that people are like laughing their asses off about and, and really enjoying and whatnot. And it is a really thoughtless base, you know, parody of what they think you're supposed to be. And I was like, man, oh man, that, that just, it, it really sucks. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And if you, I don't know if anyone here has ever watched any like Godzilla films at all. Mm-hmm. Of course we have. Like at all. If you look oh, at yeah, sure. of course. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yes. <laughs> I think that a really big like eye opener is like whoa is like trying to st- like when you try to step outside of yourself and look at like how would other people in the world like look at not just me as like a white person but also an American <laughs> look at Godzilla films and their uh, uh, portrayals of white people from America from any timeline and mm-hmm, it is mm-hmm. friggin hilarious because oh, yeah, they're either good. like the major villains or there's even one from one of the more recent films that deals with this tall black pimp interacting with a white police officer in quote unquote New York city, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and, oh, and, and I thought I, the, go ahead. Oh, I was in so much like Asian film and whatnot. Like it's hilarious when you see like the villain is like this blonde dude. I mean, it's usually an Asian dude in a terrible blonde wig, but, but you still kind of get the <laughs> idea. It's just like, Hmm, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. And I, I don't know. I saw that kind of, well, a couple of years ago and it was one of those things where I was like, Oh, well maybe you get, Oh, and then you have that aha moment, like looking on it and going, "Oh, do we do that here?" Yes, we do that a lot. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, you know, guys. Speaking of, uh, uh, oh, there's no way to seg out of that. It's all no, good. No, 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 no. <laughs> there's a seg. I had it, but I lost it. Let's all get really on segways did. and motor out. No. <laughs> yeah, there, there, yeah there you, now you're picking it up. There you go. That was a good one. of segways. <laughs> well, I'm glad there are better representations of characters that you can relate with. For anyone out there who feels like they've never had someone to relate with, I'm glad that today we're starting to see those characters pop up more and more. Mm-hmm. But yes, it is getting time to wrap up the show. So... Any thoughts? Final thoughts? I kind of just have one final... I just wanted to say this really quick. Um, With everything we were talking about before, with um, 
everything that's going on that that Chris is putting together, and then we were talking about the Star Trek issue with Paramount and everything. I think it's important that we, because I know I'm going to be very involved in trying to like keep tra- t- you know task on what's going on with the Paramount Star Trekies and people who are going to be a little bit harsh at cons and shows with the bootleg stuff i'm going to be paying very close attention to that sort of thing because i think that's an important thing to follow right now i think that people are going to get really i don't want to say hurt but i definitely want to say that they're going to get you know rubbed over you know they're going to they're going to get screwed over a little bit in the end if we're if the if it gets pushed too far and i think these are things that we're going to be looking back on in like 10 20 years and going you remember when that happened and then that's what caused the spiral so mm-hmm. i'm going to be following close closely to this sort of thing yeah a hundred percent it's it's some scary stuff i'm glad that uh you're keeping that track on it well it's well i mean go ahead no no actually i was just i was actually going to segue to you go ahead oh you know it's it's something that uh with the rise of social media um i've been producing content online for 20 years so i've been largely independent as a content producer Uh, the the that's not really an industry necessarily, but I've found that it's been over time more, more and more difficult to do what it is that I've done. Um, it's one of the reasons why I'm, I'm doubling down on, on, on aspects of event production and, and, and really double, you know, going back to my own passions and interests versus everything else. But with the age and proliferation of social media, everybody's got a trumpet and there's so much remixing and resharing and um uh unofficial not even i wouldn't even say it's like bootleg stuff it's like fan driven fan stuff isn't necessarily bootleg and Mm -hmm. these bigger um i guess entities whether we're talking about they represent this brand or another brand have to increasingly accept that as a part of the fandom uh, apart from, you know, uh, otherwise they're going to get rebuked. Now, I don't even know how many, not to say that this is the Star Trek prequel moment, you know, where some fans just burn everything and then move on with life. Hmm. Um, you know, because it's, it's not, it, I'm, and I'm saying I'm not one of those people. I just bought a Jar Jar figure. So, okay, so I'm one of them. Um, I'm actually going to be. I tweeted this earlier. I was, I'm going to open a Star Wars, a Star Wars figure adoption center because I believe that I, I have enough love for all of them, you know, enough love to go around. Um, so, you know, it's, 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 it's something that they're going to have to face, but it's also something that fans have to be mindful of. Um, cause some, they get really uppity, like, and, and you don't, you don't have to look too further, too much further than YouTube culture where someone gets really angry because a video got taken down for copyright. Well, you put somebody else's music in your video, what did you think was going to happen? Yeah. Like, that's not sure. yours. Yeah. So, you know, and I, you know, I'm very, very mindful of that because, you know, if I'm creating something original, even though I know it'd, it would get better traction if I used somebody else's licensed content, that also potentially hurts me in the long run. And th- that's something that I think the producers have to be aware of, that if they love the brand enough to create fan art around it or to create product around it, they have to know what the rules are and that's the thing i don't think there are any sets of guidelines anywhere and it's all down to how each particular brand is going to engage so yeah exactly as you're following this issue part of my hope for this particular type of summit specifically for intergalactic content um part of my hope is to get some amount of clarity or or some some kind of mutual understanding so that we've got some set of guidelines that Instead of these question marks, there's that, that there's that uh, 
the Magna Carta, if you will, you know, this thing that, you know, ultimately spells out what can and cannot be done, where that where the gray area is, um, what is accepted and what is not. Because without that, you run the risk of potentially – without communicating, you run the risk of offending the fans and, and they could potentially – I don't know. I don't know if there's going to be a fallout around um, those who are – you know, you know, wanting to produce fan content for, for Star Trek. I don't know. I, I don't follow that culture as much, but I, I imagine it's, it's, it's going to be pretty hefty. Yeah. And I mean, like even you just having to call it a intergalactic thing, like you can't like, you know, not being able to use certain words. I, I'm, I'm it's getting to that point. I, well, I'm careful about it because I know number one, because I value, and I've already reached out to Lucasfilm PR. I have. I've done. I've. You know. I've. Like I said. I talked to, to to a few people that I knew to say, hey, this is my intention. You know, my 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 intention is to do this. Ultimately, see, this is the thing that doesn't concern me as much because I'm going to be communicating directly to those who produce this type of content, and they're going to know what it means. Yeah. Versus the average person off the street, they may not know what it means, but that's not what the event is for, if you will. Mm-hmm. So, it, you know, in, in terms of organically growing it, it's my intention not to be a gigantic thing. It's just going to be a, a summit to be able to bring people together and have these conversations that absolutely influence the things that we do uh, so that we can better be educators for everyone else in the community. So if they start to step out of line and they don't know it, correcting them, uh, you know, to, to you know, save them the hassle before they actually do something without them knowing. Yeah, exactly. Sure. Yeah. And plus, you don't want to have to rebrand after three years if you, no, you know, God, step no. on somebody's toes. No, and, that, and that, <laughs> that's the even bigger problem is coming up with a name. Like, oh, my God, what is, what's something that makes sense, that's flexible enough, that works? Well, that's, see, that's where it's great to come from Seattle, Washington, or to have the mm-hmm. events hosted in the area because SW is Seattle, Washington. There you go, yeah. It's, yeah. it's, not, oh. it's, not, it's not what you think. Ah. It's the – so I can call it. SW, intergalactic, whatever, because I know what it means, and it means Seattle, Washington. It's never going to be anything And else. then somebody's going to take a look and go, but this isn't in the but Southwest. Right. Or, yeah, exactly. No, it's Seattle, <laughs> Washington. Yeah. <laughs> so, That's, yeah, yeah, I've, yeah, yeah. I've thought, I've thought ahead on a lot of that. But it's, it's something I think is going to be important with the, the, the inception of social media and people resharing and brands wanting that kind of attention, knowing where they kind of draw that line. And I think it's usually down to profit. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. Uh, I kind of like just the way Swi-Fi rolls off the tongue. So that, yeah, yeah, I know, but it's also it's also a mouthful. <laughs> uh, so you'll, you'll understand. I sent you a document that kind of better outlines focus. Yeah. No, that's good. All right, cool. Well, uh, thanks a lot, guys. Um, it seems like Christina may have dropped off the call early. So I just Darn gonna, it. we'll say goodbye for her. Can anyone do her voice? Bye. All right. Bye, <laughs> guys. No, I, I sound like a Muppet. I can't do it. I'm sorry. <laughs> and uh, Tyler, good day. You as well. Rob? Oh. Uh, good one. So long. That was terrible. Well, I'll beat his and goodbye. Chris, <laughs> thanks for joining us again. Yeah, no problem. Now I got to go watch some Daredevil. All right, man. Yeah, me too. All right, yep. we're all out of here. See you guys later. Keep it geeky out there, everyone, and talk to you later on the Super Awesome Geek Show. Thank you again. What? Did you say do it again? I said thank you again. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> All right. Good night. Yeah, we need to do the entire take over. Thank you. That, that's like everybody got another hour and a half in them. Uh, <laughs> oh, I wasn't hey. recording. <laughs> oh, no, I'm kidding. Well, have more time to go watch more Daredevil then. <laughs> yeah. Goodbye. Yeah. See you guys later. <laughs> You've been listening to the Super Awesome Geek Show with John Adams, Jason Rigdon, Eric Locke, Matt B., and Rob Clifford. The Super Awesome Geek Show is part of Kingdom of the Geeks. We put up new episodes every Friday. You can find us on iTunes and on the website at superawesomegeekshow.com. You can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash superawesomegeekshow. Follow us on Twitter at awesomegeekshow. And if you'd like to help, you can support us on Patreon, p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash superawesomegeekshow. Or make one of the purchases of our fine toys, art, and collectibles on the eBay store, stores.ebay.com slash kingdomofthegeeks. All your support does help, and we really, really appreciate it. If you'd like to be on the show, just contact us, superawesomegeekshow at gmail.com. Well, that about wraps it up. Thanks a lot for listening, and see you next Friday on the Super Awesome Geek Show! Super Awesome Geek Show!